Sherlyn, you present yourself as a conceptual artist who explores the notions of online identity and physical experiences, using performances as a tool to positively influence different groups of people within the society. You immerse in movement and storytelling about various subjects, such as being a woman, the effect of the media and fake news, space and environment, human relations, and the social world of communication. That's a right, lot. that's me. <laughs> that's a lot. A lot, but everything is connected. Um, how did you how did your career as a conceptual artist begin? The career it's a big question when it starts because sometimes you are out of focusing as being an artist, but throughout your life, throughout the journeys and experiences, you already begin your portfolio of the artist. However, sometimes you are not even aware that you are working with an art, not producing it, but building this portfolio of meeting others, of being in spaces, of listening to others without actually, sorry, the drilling started in the, in the road. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> Some sound effects. So sometimes you are not even aware that you are embarking on that journey. And that's how I feel in my life because I was living the life and always being there for people questioning what is happening around me without actually uh, projecting it as art, but living in it. And that's mm -hmm. how I feel like my career has started with, with being, uh, with existing and with uh, meeting others and being in places. So I don't know exactly when the career actually have started. Mm -hmm. But I can then say that I started to educate myself when I was 28 years in London. But that doesn't mean that has been the start of my career. I feel sometimes uh, putting um, a qualification to your artistic practice is really a joke because the artistic uh, qualification is more in being with others, educating and furthering what you already know out of life and putting some of the questions around life into more thought and more written work and more research, basically. But that doesn't mean when I went to study, that is when I started my artistic career. No. So it has when started did you, way before. When did you, you receive your first payslip from it? My first payslip from uh, producing artwork has been actually in, in Malta. Um, not when I first started because... My first journeys has been more photography work and installation from rubbish, for example, called the Salot. However, my first sold piece has been after my first solo in the Gabriel Caruana Foundation. And they were, uh, they have been like the smaller version of the printed work. So they mm. were in the actual work uh, placed in the exhibition. They were the smaller printed paper version. And this was okay. just when COVID hits, because I had to close yeah. the exhibition like three days later, I have opened it. Oh, wow. Yes. And the actual work remained in, in, in quarantine, you know, for quite a few months because no one was allowed to enter the space. How was the COVID period for you? Was it um, um, artistically kind of an eye-opening because you suddenly had a lot of time and reflection and think about certain things or, it, or was it the opposite you missed going out the audience and, and it was a very strange time for me because I'm not the kind of person that likes to stay indoors so to protect my mental health actually I found work in a call center dealing with COVID so I was working in a call center that time and listening to all the COVID-related issues. 
and actually um when uh, when things got better about a year later i i had a project which i uh, it was called pandemonio pandemico penali where i created a huge um uh, piece like canvas piece but super huge where it was all the codes the barcodes of the vaccines uh, written very small in a in a big barcode basically because the only thing I was mostly hearing was barcodes and that I was doing a lot of data inputting, uh, which was mostly made of the, the barcodes of the vaccines, the different vaccines. So even though um, it was a different exploration to my usual medium of performance, uh, I still worked when I came back home, the, the burnout of actually being present there for sometimes 10 or more hours. Um, was produced into a different style of um, artwork. And how, how, if I may ask, how yes. do you translate the, the title? Pan, pandemonio pandemico penali. So pandemonio, pandemic. it's a pandemic. Pandemonio, <laughs> one second. Pandemonio, pan, <laughs> pa, pandemico. So, but pandemonio, it's like, it's a chaos. When you say... Uh -huh, okay. Pandemonium. It's a it's it's a burst of chaos. It's okay. almost like purg purgatory. That's sort of like pandemonium, where there's lots of stuff uh -huh. going on at the same time. Pandemic, and penalty is penalty because there was the question of the penalties for a lot of behavior, the penalty of existence, the penalty, the relationship between human uh -huh. and the nature. So there was a lot of these questions about penalties basically that's where the name came from the three piece and in and in the call center uh was it also like you help people to deal with the emotional uh, uh, psychological side of, of covid like people could call and just like i don't know speak out or the, was it there was a different number however people were still calling us uh, and of course, we were not psychologists to help with these issues. However, you know, it was very often that people were calling and exploring their fears with us and expressing their own fears, yes, with us. And sometimes you just have to listen anyway, even though you couldn't give any advice apart from them giving them the other number to call. You know, sometimes you still had to, to listen to them. And sometimes as well, you know, their fears were more related to like whether they can get a test or not, you know, uh -huh. and like the urgency to get tested and to get the results very fast. So there was a lot of anxiety on that end. And sometimes you get uh, the people really annoyed because they couldn't do certain things and questioning like, through an urgency like when is it gonna go everything back to normal like they expected these sorts of answers from you so that is something you know like you still had to deal with to listen of to course. them you know like you couldn't just end the call because you couldn't help them through their emotional side well listening is is uh is a big help if you already yes. listen to people it's a lot as well, you're dealing with the whole population of Malta. You're dealing with international people living here. You're dealing with different social backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, beliefs. You know, you have yes. to, I, I really had to respect one thing that whatever my opinion is about certain things, when you're dealing in such a call center, you really have to be empathetic and understand that different people have different fears, anxiety, and so on. So that was quite inspiring as well for me to just like work on my empathy, basically. As well, I was walking a lot during those times. I was going to work um, an hour a day to get mm -hmm. to work. So that has opened up as well my senses with connecting with the outer world because my journey into the everyday life has changed. Uh, mm -hmm. I was using my body more into like using the streets, listening to the sounds, watching the seasons change as well, 
noticing because it's the same route every day, but throughout every day, I was noticing that even though it's the same journey, I am encountering different voices of the nature. So that was very uh-huh. interesting. And that has given me as well time to breathe before stepping into like this closed space. So you become aware of your path. Yes, uh, yes. Right. Because sometimes I feel like I I caught myself. I I was I am when I'm driving to to work. Yes. And I don't remember how I went from home to work. It's it's sometimes it's so robotic that you're not even aware of. Um, Absolutely. Even the bus journey. Even though you can be a bit more aware on the bus because you're passive, sitting around and watching. Though sometimes you're quite anxious because you are stuck in the traffic, you have notifications coming in because you have free Wi-Fi. So that really interrupts your sense of awareness. But walking is a completely different journey. Why out of all art expressions, uh, you have chosen performances? So I do like to include within my performance work, uh, text-based artwork as well, and collecting of objects, which can feed into the performance. But mostly when I was in London, uh, my first uh, studies there were creative directions for fashion, which is very performative within itself. But then of course, within the commercial side of producing fashion, I drifted more towards fine arts and understanding uh, that myself, I am a very emotional, sensitive person, which I can't just go and produce work for big companies. I am more interested into feeling, sensing, and connecting all this together through a message with the body. Of course, outfits, clothes give a, give me a sense of identity, which can change constantly. So my first performative work were very linked to how a costume and the, sp- and the space makes me perform and tell the story. However, then as well, since I came to Malta, I started to be um, in life drawing classes. And that's where I started to explore more the body in nude and using uh, the skin as a as a way to tell a message as well. Um, I do like movement a lot, so that's why probably uh-huh. I'm so interested in performance because I am very interested in the concept of moving and how things can change constantly, shift the shifting and in ideas, in thoughts, and in bringing out a message and how this can then reflect into how people see a life performance. Because when you are present in a space, it's very different than from watching an image happening or from watching a video. There's something more powerful um, when something is live. Of course, it's, um, I, I would say it energetically, you feel it, you, it's a complete different dynamics is, it's for me, sometimes it's maybe similar to a theater you know when you you can see a a video recording of a play but when you are in the theater it's the whole experience it's it's much more than a play but it's dressing going to the to to the theater you know just waiting for the show to come up watching the show then afterwards it's 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 an event it's much yes. more than that. It's more about presence. It's not just the performer's body is present, but as well as the audience and it's this collecting, uh, collective energy of the other people around you, which feeds into your performance as well. So it's the tension of the audience, the laughing of the audience, then that can have an effect on you as well whilst you are performing. While if you are just doing it, uh, recording it as a video, it's completely different. You're missing on this. You're more private in the essence of, of a video when you are in a live performance. as well the proximity of your body with the other bodies. Uh-huh. Your, your mood, your, your slightest shift in energy, you know, it can easily be picked up. 
there's not there's no deleting or editing as well it's like you're very vulnerable in that moment you're mm-hmm. giving like yourself totally to to the viewers you mentioned humor uh does humor play a big role in your performances and in general <laughs> humor always yes definitely i guess it's something very natural in me and i feel as well even sometimes the costume or the props or uh, or or the lyrics being said or the simplicity of the movement sometimes can be so much humor because they they are not refined they are not cleaned up it's it's quite humor as well within itself the simplicity of it but in, in general yes i think it's part of my character how so, i see things yes definitely where do you um, search for inspiration inspiration everywhere uh, i'm everywhere. more i'm more attracted to to my own autobiography to be honest um so most of the time i'm digging in my own experiences and as well with what is happening like for example when i told you uh, when i worked during the covid times that is still autobiography and how uh, what is going on in my life but in reflection to the wider context you know can create a piece so most of the time as well from like travels people i meet a political situation as well happening but mostly into my own autobiography and the space as well so usually when i am performing in a space um i adapt very easily to the surroundings and what can the surroundings the space give me back so i don't go in a space with an idea maybe i go with some information in my head that i want to explore but then it is the space which creates the piece so you obviously do rehearsals but is there not, a not lot of much. um not too much there is a lot of freedom and then you kind of go with the flow once you are performing Yes, I actually I'm not the kind of person that really like rehearsals. I always feel quite stuck. And as well, um I work a lot with improvisation and just like really provoking my body to the limits of what I can do in this moment of awkwardness and this absurd moment, you know, what what can my body do in that moment? uh rehearsals i mostly more related to when i am working with other people or in other people's pieces because there's no way out i can escape this and usually what i like to do is often um, attend workshops or like programs so that i get my body more active and inspired or pick up on other movements but yes i'm not the kind of person that likes to rehearse for example at the moment i will be part of her garden and i am working with someone else so when i am working with other people i respect that other people would like to rehearse but i don't give myself 100% so almost i like to drive myself to be a little bit bored of the subject or of the situation so then i can literally let it all out um on the time of performance You said you mentioned that you push your body to the limits. Uh is there a reaction from the body or or I don't know when you do these kind of things do you feel like something inside of you says well maybe that's too much or maybe do you get these inner reactions inside of you when it's usually, you know like yeah. a reaction from the body usually like when i feel for example i like to do like repeated movements then you know when you have to stop like there is this message from the body which tells you to stop for example uh i remember in one piece i was pulling my hair very hard and i remember i did feel then afterwards but then i was so lost in that moment that maybe in that moment i didn't feel okay this is the limit but then i did feel it afterwards 
sometimes as well it mm-hmm. can be on an emotional level that um, I hold on a, lo- a lot of emotions to be exploded during the performance, for example. And that's usually the effect I feel it afterwards to, because to come back into to my everyday body, I always feel for like a couple of days a little bit strange because some of my topics can be very personal. And because I let it out sometimes in front of an audience which may know me or may not know me enough. So then afterwards, you have like all these mixed feelings afterwards. And it takes time to release and come back into yourself, to be honest. Like, I feel a little bit strange and hazy for like a couple of days sometimes. When something is too personal, yes. But which I feel like, okay, Uh by telling this to an audience... You know, it can help other people, you know, to reflect on their own journey of life. You talk about quite uh, challenging subjects uh, in the context of Malta, like stereotypes of, of women, uh, relationships, uh, social media. Even you touched uh, the aspect of uh church as i have seen in one of your uh one of your uh, photographs um so in general how do you choose your uh, subjects and uh, what is your main goal by 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 showing them to the audience so how do i choose the subjects for example if it is photography work usually there is a discussion as well with the other person i'm working on and we work on characters uh, on stereotypes on on culture in malta which perhaps we are appraising them but they have a dark side of them but it's not being shown enough so i have no problem to get into the characters of these people of course they are not my character so the characters as well are chosen uh, through research into like further um, exploration what has happened in the media for example maybe there is a case um, around pedophile for example or around abortion or like things which are happening within the, the the local context perhaps which is not very visible in other countries as well but which I would like to explore further through my own body and as well that's when costumes falls into space again and once i put the costume on i do get into the character of this person and of course being sensitive towards other people who have been hurt out of the situation so, so i am i am the i am in between i am in between the, the, medium. the character medium. exactly and the other people so it's not only that you you sh- you point to certain like topics but you also through performance you want to experience those top topics as well so it's kind of yes. I, it correctly so it's it's very interesting that you also kind of to 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 make it kind of uh, to connect with them even closer and then obviously you channel it through through to to the audience definitely and sometimes like just one image if you if you if you're holding if you're embodying the stories of what you heard from other people and what has been said in the media there's a lot of embodiment and then when you mm-hmm. put the, the costume on when you are in that location then just that one single picture can tell a lot of stories if you group all these stories together you have to try to hit it with just that one picture Mm-hmm. Um, positively influence different groups of people within the society. What, what is behind positively influence? Change their attitude, change their behavior, change the way they see things, or okay. uh, encourage them to look at things maybe through a different perspective. A little bit of everything, um, connecting with my life experience, 
Um, I haven't really been in a museum in my teenagehood, let's say. Um, of course, I went to some museums with my school trips when I was young. Then uh -huh. I left entering art spaces, not just museums, let's say art spaces. I completely neglected in my teenagehood till I was about 26. I was not interested in entering these spaces because it was not connected to, to the life I was living that time in London. I was mostly working in hospitality, going clubbing, going shopping. Uh -huh. So then when I started to go back to studies, I had to visit some museums to, to do research into some of the topics I was um, reading about and collecting information. Uh, therefore, with my work, I try to be sensitive towards groups of people who do not go to these spaces, but actually I question how... Uh, which platforms can I use to actually communicate messages to people? What type of images I use to attract all sorts of people into reading or deliver the message to who perhaps will not enter a museum space, will not enter an art space? And how can I use social media as the tool to deliver these messages? So how can I create an image which is more on a commercial um, etiquette, on, a, on an easy uh, way to read it, but perhaps the text I am using can then deliver the message. That's why I like to work on social media with image and text. It's very rarely that I just put an image. There's usually text uh -huh. which accompany it. Of course, um, it was an experiment, and when I started to use my body in the beginning, then it was interpreted wrongly, perhaps, from both the artist side of the local context, and even from the other people who were like, oh, wow, have a nude body on social media. So I did have to go private as well, which I'm not sure about, but at the same time, I, I prevent as well a lot of like strange messages happening to my inbox and random people following with no interest in the message. So I did have to make the account private. But at the same time, I always I also question that then it prevents other people stopping to, to come across it. Mm -hmm. So that's what, what I mean by influencing different groups of people. Same when I'm working in live performance. Um, I always try to find subjects or spaces which are more experimental and play uh -huh. as well with topics which um, different groups of people would be interested in. So not just people who are interested in art. I try to get as many uh, interests as possible to, to view the performance. So perhaps even the spaces I which which I perform in, like I had performances in my friend's living room, I had it in a garage, I had it in a shop, so, which which takes which away... Which was the best one, <laughs> which was the, the best one. <laughs> that, that's a very interesting one. I was very interested when I worked with one collective in Brussels, because they, the, the way they present their event is like, okay, uh, they had live music, they had performance, they had um, my performance, there was artworks, it was a collective. That is something I was very interested in. But the space as well speaks the language of like um, different people, you know, it's like a, almost like an abundant space, but with a lot of potential. Unfortunately, in Malta, you know, it's most of the time when I am doing uh, my experimental spaces, sometimes I have to pay. So that can be a little bit more um, hard on myself to collect, to get money, to promote these events, to make it happen. Because then I do not like to charge people um, a fee to come and see the performance. I am more interested, okay, if you want to leave a donation, then leave it. Mm -hmm. Uh, is it uh, a matter also of, of that we have a certain perception about galleries, museums, you know, and it's like 
doing these performances outside of it is also like moving of, of this uh, comprehension of these institutions because like you know to make a performance even living room make it outside make it on the rooftop you can make it everywhere it's just a matter of bring broadening also how people should maybe look at art that art it's not necessarily a, a painting on a wall in a well-lit place but art can be like also in dirt in mud in uh, absolutely well, everywhere absolutely and i am more interested in opening the idea of what is art as well and who can create art so in my last script for example when i worked uh, in the musa I was like, okay, how can I, how can I work on a script as well, which can um, include a lot of participants who perhaps are not in the performance scene, but of course they have performance capabilities because we all perform in everyday life without even noticing we are performing. But at the same time, then when we are as a collective group, you know, it can happen between us and it can be more on a level which we deliver messages. So, but keeping performance movements very simple. And this is a way how you can integrate the community. And of course, this can be then applied to different uh, communities within the local, the local scene. Perhaps you want to work with the elderly. Perhaps you want to work with the people with different abilities. So it can, there can be different ways how this script can be then used even in other countries, maybe where we don't speak the same language. You know, but we can make it happen between us once we are together. I think this it's is something very interesting. It's, you touched uh, also um, a, a topic of performances and uh, how daily we perform. For example, I am a man, I'm a husband, I'm a colleague, I'm a son. You know, there are so many labels. And do you feel sometimes that you're actually even performing be, being, you know, in your daily life, not only when you are on a scene? Definitely. Because my first book, I remember, which I started to be interested in performance. I remember I had it in Barcelona when I lived there for a year. So I shifted from London. So let's say London, I had my hospitality side. Then I went to study. So I was more engrossed in books and then when I went to performance when I went sorry when I went to Barcelona there was so much things happening in the outside life that I was like so attracted in being outside and watching not just taking photos of people but just like watching how the the life is rolling on and just watch dif watch different groups of people doing performances and I remember my first book was called performance studies and that's when I started to, will, to, to, to realize that I have performed as well in so many different uh, situations in my life, you know, and the same, I bring the, the, the idea of the waiter. I remember from the book, it was mentioned how when you are taking the order at the table, you have this mask on and this sort of um, attitude and ethics. And then when you go in the back door, you know, you're laughing with the chef, you're pinching a few chips off the plate, you are uh, swallowing a glass of wine which was left over, you are on your mobile phone, and then you go back in front of the people and you're carrying yourself in a completely different way. Same like when you go to an interview, you know, you are really trying to sell the most of yourself to these people and then perhaps you walk out of there and, you know, you're completely different again. So constantly, you know, same when we are online on social media and we are presenting the selfie, we are finding the right angle, we are putting the, the filter, we are choosing the facial expression. And then, of course, when you let go, you know, the tummy you was holding it goes back to its relaxed pose. You know, your face is in this <laughs> awkward pose again. So there's several times we are performing without actually realizing. It's constantly. An image comes to my mind when uh, you see people, they are in a church, like pious sitting, you know, trying to yes. listen. And they go out. And the first thing they go out, you hear swear words. 
yes. cigarette in their yes. mouth. And, uh, <laughs> yes. It's like, it's incredible, like two different people in a matter of one hour. It's like day and night. It's, it's, it's incredible. So this is, this is all about, let's say, same when I am performing the character. Of course, when it's something autobiographical, I am performing a part of my identity. But it's not a character, it's part of my identity. Then when you are doing performance photography and I am mimicking uh, people in society, then it's, it's just a character which comes and goes. Because I do remember like some people like taking it seriously with like certain subjects or, but it's a character and these people do exist in society. Well, for some, I guess it's difficult to, um, to separate certain things. You know, they, I guess for our mind, it's, it's rather easy to generalize, you know, for like hours. also with like in in general, like with nations or, or with, with, I don't know, in general, I think we like, for example, all Muslims, the, the, the most, one of the most famous stereotypes, all Muslims are terrorists, you know, it's like kind of suddenly the umbrella falls onto that, which is not true at all. Even on a, even on a local scene, all people which comes from their area are like this. All people which comes from his area are like that. And it's, <laughs> It's so not right. It's, it's I'm not sorry for true. the noise from outside. It, it gives character to our performance. We're performing now, aren't we? As, as well, it, it, it shows from which, from which island it's being done, the interview, because there's so much construction going on in Malta, so it's part of the soundscapes. <laughs> which, you can, which you cannot run away from. The most memorable... The most memorable reaction uh, from the audience. Most memorable reaction from the audience. So, in my last um, performance, I've done the set of performances I've done in Musa. Uh, one of them discussed um, the story of a chem girl called Dio, called Do It Your Own Way. And throughout the performance, there was quite a lot of dark humor and she was giving a lot of attitude to the requests of what men were asking her. But in the end, there was, um, instead of the chem girl having an orgasm to please the other person behind the screen, she screams really loudly and really letting go of a lot of suppressed um, feelings inside her um, and a lot of judgment about who she is as a person and what everyone expects out of her. And after the performance finished, one of the person in the audience was actually crying. And that was really, really, really touching. And... It was just like, I remember I stopped the performance and seeing a person crying in the audience is something which I, I, cannot, I cannot forget. And then someone else came and told me the same, like that moment was so strong. It has left so many emotions dissolving and feelings and empathy. So that was very, very interesting. Yes and memorable and I cannot let go of like watching the, the person's tears. So I'm super happy that it has touched the person as well of on the other person letting go. I don't know for what reason. And I well, don't know. Isn't that the I... ultimate, the ultimate goal of an artist to touch, to yeah. influence, to, to connect. It can be laughing. It can be laughing because it's like laughing. Uh, I was speaking with someone and as well, like we all, we, we all are expected to be happy. You know, like we are offered so many products to be happy. We are oh, yes. listening to so many oh, yes. things to be happy, but actually there is a, a big difference between happy and laughing because laughing is, is so real. Mm -hmm. When you are laughing like happy, 
I start to feel that happy is just like almost fake, all these emojis and, you know, like, I'm happy. How do you feel? I'm good, you know, the good, the good, the well-being. But when someone is laughing, I think that is another state of emotion, which I really like to bring from an audience because you can't fake laughing. You are very... (laughs) present if you when you love honestly you're very present yes yes and you know when people are laughing really because they are laughing and not just putting a a smile i have a very good experience i was in this festival in lithuania and um i went to one of the classes and the teacher asked me how i am and i said i'm good and then he looked at me and he asked again, I said, but what is beneath good? And I, it, this question really stuck into my head because when people say I'm good or I'm happy, if you go one step deeper and ask, but what is be, you know, behind happy? What is behind good? What is, I'm pretty sure then a bigger, a broader conversation might appear because in, in general. I I agree about this because the same sometimes, you know, when people ask you, how are you? And then you say something honestly, like, oh, I'm feeling tired. But then in certain situations such as work, we have been so conditioned that we have to be good all the time, to forget all the problems behind us all the time and just put this performance on. And to put this performance on just for the sake of what is expected out of you once you enter a working place. So performance spaces as well, life performance spaces, that's another point, you know, they can be very uh, safe spaces to actually say how you really feel, be who you really want to be, honest spaces where you're not putting this mask on just for the sake of work but actually for the sake of delivering the messages. Because if I am really tired of this world and I want to say it in a performance, then it is the space for me to go and say it. Whilst in theater, most of the times, you are you have a character and you really have to go with the script of this character, of what they condition you to, to be. In fact, in my last performance, when I worked with this community, I told them, okay, I'm going to give you uh, the opportunity to come up as any character you want, but this character is only to make you feel more like, okay, I don't have to be myself. But within this character, you have to think of a movement of people, how people made you feel guilty or ashamed, and Mm -hmm. a story which your body embodies that exists in you, it can be as absurd or as serious or as short or as long as possible that you want to bring out. So the, the, the idea of the character is so that they don't feel so self-conscious and trapped that they have that they, that they are scared to say it because they have the idea, okay, I'm going to tell my story in the character of this person. So in that way, they were very vulnerable and very honest in bringing out these stories. So you kind of remove the frame. There is no frame. You have freedom, whatever you do. But then uh, a person needs to talk about quite difficult subjects. I think for this kind of things, you, you need courage as well. And uh, yes. as you rightly pointed out, we're not, I guess we're not used to entirely express this type of emotions you know we always have to be happy but we also feel guilty we also feel angry we, we have um, um, uh, uh, dozens of emotions inside of us a lot of emotions and this is why i was thinking you know if i if i give them the opportunity to play with a character okay you're gonna say your story but you can be whoever you want so in that way, it feels okay, we are acting, but on a reflection of a personal story. And usually in the theater, the script is written differently. It's done more like, okay, you have to be this person or this person. And everything is scripted. 
the ingredients, in your opinion, for an influential performance? Are so there any... Can you repeat? Ingre ingredients, ingredients for an influential performance. Are there any or, or any there is some tips and tricks which might turn it into an influential performance? Influential performance. So I think as well the topics you are working on, topics which perhaps or let's say situations which are not usually discussed, but which people feel the need that they need to be opened up, definitely. Autobiography is another thing because you are reflecting on your own story, but which of course a lot of others connect with. Um, using as well spaces, but how you can use the space as a whole so on the walls, there is an image or text, things which you, you're not just witnessing the performance, but perhaps as well the process of arriving to the performance. I usually like to communicate this in my social media. So when I start working on a project, I show the process. So people are not just coming there and just consume or entertain mm -hmm. themselves with just the performance, but there is reading, there is research, there is interviews, there is a collection of images, there is an inspiration. So I think this makes it much more enriching as a performance, that you're not just going there like, come and see me perform, but no, why I am making this performance? Come and see me naked. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But why, why I am doing it in this way? I think this is uh, this is all very helpful when you are building on performances, the research process. And sometimes I feel like when I go to some museums, for example, and I'm just looking at artwork, I am missing on the process of the artist to arrive to create it. Mm. I'm always very curious to know what, what stands exactly. And usually I remember the same, like when I was studying in, in, in London, when we were looking at images, they always used to tell us, okay, this image was made in the 70s, but what was happening in the 70s? For example, mm -hmm. Nan Golden, when Nan Golden was creating these dark images, uh, there has been a lot of um, situations going on within AIDS, for example, within uh, people leaving their homes and ending up homeless a lot of drug use taking during that era. So this this shows then this reflects a lot then on the image. It's not mm -hmm. a beautiful image or an ugly image, but the situation exactly context. the context. It's like Picasso Guernica. Exactly. So if you don't if you don't research what is going on and that's why I feel it's a necessary to have some direction towards the research process. That's why I told you the sound of the noise around us shows that we are in Malta as well when this interview is happening and it's part of what we embody every day. That is true. That is true. I also keep uh, my podcast. I, I um, keep it from the first uh, episode until this one. I keep it everything as it is, you know, like... I do not delete anything or I, I use before Zoom, you know, I use different microphone, but I keep everything. And for me, it's so interesting. Now, when I look at it back to see the journey, you know, it's like how, how things evolved. And I think also sometimes we, this is also what I, I, I experienced when I went to India. In India, you have everything and you see everything. There is very rich people and very poor people, but everything is in front of your eyes. You know, you, you, you observe it. While I feel like in Europe, we have everything, but we try to make, make it cosmetically clean, meaning that we, we build some walls and everything is nice, beautiful, nitty, you know, when, Sorry. when I think we should just, um, 
we need to, as you say, in the process, you see everything is like draft, how you come up with that, how you arrive there, how much work you, you, you put into that thing to come up. And it's, I think it, by itself, it has a lot of value. I, I agree. So, for example, let's say during the month I was in Musa, the National Museum, I was not funded. So I was running from there to go to a lot of like nude modeling classes, which can give me some cash that I can then actually, mm -hmm. if I need to print something, if I need to buy something, if I need to eat something, I can sustain myself. But this is part of the process. I wasn't mm -hmm. going home and relax. I was trying to find work in bars in the weekend so that I am covered during this month. And this is part of the process because, of course, sometimes I was going jogging. I didn't have time to really exercise properly. So I was going jogging in Valletta to the round of Valletta so that I keep myself sane and moving and exercise and mm -hmm. flexible but finding ways to fit it in my schedule. And this is part of my process as well. Everything. You know, this is, everything is part of the process. Same, for example, I, I didn't go to my lovely Pilates class while I was in the month of Musa because I had mm -hmm. to be present there. You know, and this is part of my process because I had to miss on certain activities and rearrange my schedule to fit the project or taking the bus or taking the bus and being stuck on the, on, on, on the bus <laughs> and anxiety is building up and anxiety then affected the mood of my day. For example, isn't that part of the process? The process is not just about the techniques and the final outcome. It's about the buildup. The same and when sometimes... you go to another country and they have different food and perhaps, you know, your body is adjusting to this new space. When I was in Budapest and their bread is different, their fruit is different, their veg is different. So my diet changed and the way perhaps my body is moving then changed. The way I'm, I'm, I'm interacting with the other people has changed. So this is all part of the process. So the environment and the situations in the environment has a, has a big effect on performance, not just the technique, not just the way, you know, you fall to the floor and you bring yourself up because the way you fall to the floor perhaps is influenced by much other things happening around you. The best advice you have received as an artist. The best advice was from my friend Julienne when we were in Serbia in a conference and we, we were in a perform, we were in a conference called work hard, live harder, which was very interesting. And we've seen a lot of interesting performances from the East side, uh, very strong political messages. However, we were in a, we were in a morning session. And we had this guy trying to teach us how to dance the Serbian folk dance. And I have a problem mm -hmm. in following. So my friend, who is a somatic practitioner, was watching me really struggling, trying to repeat the movements in the same way like everyone. And she looked at me and she's like, do yourself a big favor. Watch him do the movements. But then... Don't concentrate so much in trying to make the right movement because the way you're watching his movement, your mind is registering it in a completely different way and you are not enjoying it. You are in a panic mode trying to do like everybody else and this is not you. So let go and just maybe do 30% effort of what he is doing and the 70% just do it in your own way. That doesn't mean you just completely don't give a, 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 a damn about yes. what he is doing, <laughs> but appreciate what he is doing. That's the 30%. Listen to what he is saying, but then the 70% just enjoy it 
And then when I was doing other technical classes, I realized that I can take the same thing. I'm never going to do a handstand, but that doesn't mean that I don't try and that I don't have a laugh about me not able to do it. Same some of the yoga poses. That doesn't mean everyone have to be this flexible guru lifting her hands and legs up. And it's okay, you know, just respect respect the percentage of what you can what your body can allow and then the the rest the 70 percent just embody it in your own way and have fun with it play with it be silly with it so <laughs> i think that's the best advice, advice. <laughs> it's true it's at the end of the day it's all about having fun isn't it enjoying it yes whatever you do otherwise I mean, if you're always stressed about something, what's the point? Because we are pushing our bodies all the life into being this, doing this, achieving this. But no, you know, there has to be room to actually just play with, with, with all these different topics, movements, artistic practices, be it drawing, be it singing, dancing. You know, we don't Anything. need... It doesn't mean... Sometimes, you know, I feel like uh, we all, also... Why we stick with art? I mean, uh, you can be a gardener and be, I don't know, creative. And, Absolutely. You, know, you can be... Cooking. A, a barber, cooking. Everything, <laughs> e yes. Everywhere, everything. It's, sometimes we really, like, stick to this concept of, you know, like, art. And I think it's not... Okay, we, you can put that art is everything, but then I, other professions are as much artistic, if maybe even more. So that's, that comes to my question, which I asked when I was working with the National Museum of Malta. Who has the power? Who is in the power? Who has the power to actually uh, give hierarchies of what is good what is not good enough what comes in what is allowed what mm -hmm. stays out because that is one thing which institutions create borders and hierarchies and mm -hmm. with my month being there i really wanted to challenge this notion of who has the power and who gives the power because as you are saying there's a lot of artistic practices which we forget about like sitting around on a dinner table, creating a community event and having people sit around and talk for me is, is art because the notion of sitting around a table and engaging conversations without having to check the phone or arriving mm -hmm. at the dinner table at different times, or just like using our senses and smelling, tasting, laughing. It's an art. You know, it's so special. Enjoying. So special. So. Not rushing, listening to yeah, other I, what it has, has to say. Exactly. You know? How many times you go sure. to a restaurant and you're like, okay, you have two hours at the table and out. Next. Imagine a table where people can sit down and stay there for hours talking. Until they run yeah. out of conversations. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a, a ritual before a performance? So, definitely going for a run and listening to loud music. Not Wow, what kind of music? Techno. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. Quite like um, lots of noise and sounds and yes. But at the same time, observing the journey while I am doing it. So I live in St. Paul's Bay Area and there is the sea. There is some like beach houses as well, which I like to look at their lines, shapes, forms, colors. And to watch as well the pace of the traffic to embody. And then um, usually in the day before the performance, I, I do not really like to speak with people close to me, to listen to them. You know, I like to be in my own zone and world. Definitely get enough sleep as well. 
if it's the summer, like jump in the water as well and stay in the water. These are definitely mm -hmm. key points for my ritual. And not rehearse. That's another thing. And as well, I may add like having a shot of vodka, straight vodka as well. <laughs> it's, part, it's part of my ritual. Yes. Before, yes. just before, before? Just or... before, just before, before. Yes. yes to warm yes. you from the inside. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm ready That's to go. That's really nice. And of ah, course... I'm sure. After techno. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, breathing exercises. So I think I have been more on the pagan side of the rituals <laughs> as a person. I think right. I'm the pagan. I My ancestors, yes have been part of the pagan rituals. Well, most <laughs> of us, isn't it? Before Christianity spread, I mean, Europe was pagan in a way, you know? So I, I believe so. I do believe so. So we do come from there and... and, and uh, yes. How do you deal with criticism? When I first started, I have been more sensitive and really taking things very serious and my mind was like thinking and overthinking and I'm upset. This has been my first uh, steps into stepping into performance. Throughout the time I have learned to really respect my practice the message of my practice that I accept and I listen to the criticism. If, if there are things which I can work on, then of course, then I take them into consideration and see, or perhaps maybe I have said something or done something which I have upset it another belief, for example, and then think of how I can be more sensitive not uh, to upset other people. That can be another form of criticism. So it's not just always me who can be upset. Maybe in something I have said, then I can work on how I can be more sensitive and knowledgeable about other culture or practices to, to not hurt other people. But of course, um, I, I have learned to respect and believe more in what I am doing and to keep on doing what I am doing. Because okay. within the context of Malta, I'm always going to to receive some sort of criticism. For example, I, I gave information for a newspaper, but they never publish it, for example. So they edited, they edited it. Or exactly. Or I have worked with the National Museum and they didn't want to speak about some of my work. They, so because they sent it's also political. So they let me, they let me perform it, but then they didn't discuss it. So it's semi-censoring. Or okay. I had one of my prints, which could only be used in one of the spaces in Malta, just during the performance, not during the exhibition. So that's again semi-censoring. Wow. So what should I do? Of course, I want to work with my experimental performances, but at the same time, I want to challenge the institution and work in these spaces and be on and allow performance art to be in these spaces, just as painting, as sculpture and other media are allowed to be in. No matter how provocative it is, no matter how political the message is, I still want to work with institutions and outside of the institution. Okay, that's very yes. beautiful from your side. <laughs> so you want to have a compromise. Compromise, okay. mm, but it's at the same time still do it in my own way. Yes. Yes, yes, of course, <laughs> of course, of course. Last thing, I have yes. noticed you have a... Uh, tattoo if i'm not mistaken on your chest which is written mela mela and i have mushek as well so mushek. It's mushek uh, can you uh can can you a little bit if if you can talk about it why why 
how did they come up or is just youth being <laughs> active i i love first of all i love a lot typography i love text-based art you will always find text-based work in my work Mushak, mm-hmm. because it reflects a lot my personality. Mushak, it's it's like this, but it's not like that. Because I always mm-hmm. like to play around people's mind where you are never 100% sure. So I love this idea of playing around where it's like, oh, it is like this, but actually it's not like that. So, <laughs> okay. And Mela, I just, I just love to have something which is so used within the Maltese language. Mm-hmm. And it's just so poetic, Mela, and the different ways you can say it, Mela, Mela, Mela. Oh yes, Mes. So yes. there's so, yes. so so there's so many different tones it's used within the Maltese language. At the same time, that... Mela means to fill, and as well, I like this idea of art as a way of filling in. Mm-hmm. This idea Beautiful. of of having these spaces and then with your body you go and fill or these questions and your body is filling these questions or your your final pieces are filling in questions are filling in spaces i i I love i love the word yes that's that's i think the first word any person who arrives in malta learns (laughs) <laughs> that's the first one. <laughs> that's that's as well for foreign people. Yes, I agree. I agree. Well, Charlene, thank you very much for your time and knowledge, Oops. wisdom. Thank you for, really invite, for inviting me as well and for giving space for performance arts to be discussed. 